are now listening to United 96 Podcast on the RFK Refugees Podcast Network. Welcome in, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, for a midweek edition of United 96 Podcast on the RFK Refugees Podcast Network. I'm your host, John Hoffman, and my co-host, Ted Meyer, is on assignment or also working his day job while we record this. <laughs> uh, we have with us a special guest. Uh, we've had a lot of spirit special guests this, this year. We've had a very few DC United guests, but uh, we've been trying to get this for a while, and we're very excited to have Sean Howe of DC United. Sean, thanks for joining us. No, thanks, John. Thanks for having me. I appreciate Absolutely. Uh, appreciate the invite. Yeah, I, 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 we're, I think you were on uh, with DC UK a couple weeks ago, so we are, we are following in, following in his footsteps. So we had some questions for you, so yeah, we appreciate sure. you taking the time, particularly at the close of this window. I think it's, a, I think it's a good time to have a conversation. Absolutely. Can as a, just so you level set here for for our listeners, can you tell us sort of your title and role with the club as it is as it stands? Yeah, sure. So I'm the director of scouting for DC United. Um, um, you know, sort of a, a one-man band, if you will. So I work alongside um, Lucy Rush and Dave Casper, Stuart Mayers, um in the front office. Um, work alongside Blake, who's our data analyst, who works alongside um, our first team in terms of physical and, and technical data, and then also in terms of identification of players. So it's a, it's an all-encompassing thing, really. Uh, my, my job um, is to identify players, um, that, that fit the club's philosophy, um, fit the club's identity, um, and moves us in a direction that we want to go. So tasked with uh, a pretty hefty task over the last year or so. Yeah, for sure. Absolutely. And, and that leads me to a question. I think there, I think the question about what is the DC United philosophy, what is the, what is sort of the, the prototypical player that DC United is looking to bring on? That's changed obviously over the years we've had, uh, you know, quite a few coaches here in, in the last little spread here. And I think all of them would have said something a little bit different, understanding that the club probably has something that persists that, that coach's preference. So if you were to sit, if you were well today now with both with Wayne as the coach and maybe after what is, what is the philosophy of the type of player that DC United is trying to bring in uh, to, to, you know, hopefully find success with the club. Yeah. I think athleticism is a, is a real focal point for us right now. Um, Cause I think, the, the league is becoming very, very athletic, very, very powerful in terms of transition moments, um, in terms of it's becoming a very um, powerful game in the MLS. And you're seeing better and better players where uh, players are being isolated 1v1, players are uh, having to deal with um, with some real high-quality players and, and managing that within the, within the salary cap of, you know, you've got to... In, in Sydney, for instance, up against a, a fullback who's making, you know, <laughs> peanuts, um, yep. it, it's a difficult thing to manage. So for us, it's, it's about athleticism. It's about getting the biggest bang for your buck. Um, and look, I'd be lying if I, if I didn't say that since I've come in, the culture has changed twice, um, mm-hmm. just, just through the, the management. Um, I think, you know, Previous management did a did a good job in in establishing a a way of playing um, and changing the club in a, in a positive manner. But then I think you know again we've now moved forward into making it positive again, but perhaps in a different way. So um, for us, the recruitment process is about athleticism. It's about getting players in that can handle the the physical um, the, the physical capabilities of the MLS. Um, it's about 
really building a squad that that the fans can be can be excited about <laughs> number one um which you know in, in all fairness they haven't been able to be over the last you know i'm here in 10 years um for me even over the last year since i've been here um i wouldn't say it's a it's a team that the fans can be really really excited about um to come out and watch so so for me it's about that as well um and you know across the board from the whole front office that's what we want to be now listen it's um it's a it's a tough task um because we're we're dealing with constraints we're dealing with certain you know roster uh manipulations so we we have to get that right moving forward um we're seeing different clubs do it in different ways and i think we're learning from that i think everybody's always learning from that um and, and so hopefully you know moving forward we can really uh turn things around and we can start to um to write you know to write the ship you mentioned sort of the challenges of being in a salary cap constrained league and that's obviously hugely uh a big barrier to bringing in some of the players you want to bring in obviously i think some fans do not realize that you know you're counting those salary cap uh, you're, you're counting those transfer fees into your salary cap calculations over the life of, of the contract sometimes, particularly for designated players. It's not just a regular on-budget charge. Unless things have changed, things have changed frequently. I could be I could be working on old data. But what is, uh, other than that, you also have challenges with players who are on, like, budget charges that are over maybe their contribution at this time. So many players over time, you know, you see it in all professional sports, uh, you know, long a long-serving player whose wage sort of inflates as their as their time that they're there. Um, that's always a I, I basically backing that all in. How big of a challenge is contract management? Around, other than just trying to find players from overseas and trying to pay transfer fees from clubs that you know they're under contract with. As as you and the rest of the team are trying to plan out the rest of this year, twenty twenty three, and you're looking at players coming off. Uh, you know, going into player option or co- team option years or just coming out of contract. How, how do you guys do that? Like, it just seems extremely complicated and convoluted. So what kind of how, how is there a, is there a person that's, you know, primarily focused on that sort of on budget charge? Is that is that Dave or is that Stuart? No, there isn't. Um, you know, we all conversate as a as a group. To be honest with you, um, Dave's obviously been doing this for a very, very, very long time, and um, he's he's very intelligent in terms of cap manipulation and and the certain um, ways in which you can you can manage things. Stuart is also the same. So um, Lucy and I are coming from a little bit of a different background in that we we come over from Atlanta United from from the recruitment side of things there, um, and we weren't necessarily hugely involved in in cap management. Um, so we've learned. Um, we've, we've started to bring in ideas of our own and, and contribute to the group in a, in a different way. Um, but, but to answer your question, everybody's involved and, and to piggyback off of what you said, it's extremely difficult to keep players, um, who, are, are good players, are domestic players, um, and keep them within the salary cap, especially when you're looking to bring players in from outside the league and, you know, through no fault of his own, Julian Gressel is is part of that, um, and, and I think he's a, is an example of that. And from being at both teams that he's been traded from, uh, <laughs> you know, I, I can I can speak to that. Um, you know, he he outgrew his contract in Atlanta, um, and then here in DC, it was it was a similar situation in that 
you know, the situation we were in, we felt it was the right time um, to, to part ways. So, um, again, a, a very good player um, and, and we love him as a guy here at DC. Um, it was just, you know, it, it was a decision that we made that, um, you know, we, it was a tough decision to, to make, but we had to make it in what the best interests of the team based on, on cap and the constraints of the cap. So, um, to want, you know, to go back to how hard is it, would we've wanted to keep Julian Gressel? Absolutely. I think most teams in the league would love to have a Julian Gressel in their team. Particularly with a Christian um, Benteke coming into your side after the fact. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, but, but sometimes it's a little bit bigger picture. Um, sometimes you have to really believe in what you're doing um, and stick to it. And, and for me, you know, I really believe in what we're doing. Um, you know, it's been really tough over the last few weeks, um, if not over the last year, you know, it's been really tough. I'll, I'll be honest. Um, but I believe in what we're doing um, and, and all of us believe in what we're doing and we're, and we're moving forward um, with, with the plan um, to, again, to right the ship and to be competitive and to, to really challenge. I'd never thought about this before you just said it. Like, obviously, soccer is a global a global market, more so than, in, you know, most other sports. But also, I think since all countries don't have, and most, and I think only us, have this salary cap restraint, it's sort of a weird fit of trying to bring a, bring a player in on a different wage standard that has to now comply to what the U.S. constrained market values a player at. So I feel like, I think you alluded to this too, that, particularly with domestic players, how, how challenging it is to have them sort of leveled up on an equal basis of somebody coming in from a league where the only restriction on what you spend on a player is what you want to spend on the player and what your, what your capabilities are. So that's, uh, I had never thought about that sort of that real challenge of yes. har- harmony, roster harmony. <laughs> it makes it very difficult because everybody gets to see each other's wages. <laughs> right. And, and, you know, when, when you've got players looking at, at the wage list and they're going, well, he's making three times more than I'm making, but I'm starting more games. And so that there's, there's a massive challenge there. Um, and it's not necessarily, um, as easy as everybody thinks it is. Um, you know, you, you get caught up in the, in the Twitter world of, well, why don't they just do this? And you know, it's, it's not so easy, but listen, we're, we're in a privileged spot to, to work in, in this industry. Um, and, and it's a nice problem to have. <laughs> do you wish do you wish there were more transparency around all of these things all of the sort of the on so the only thing we know basically is what the players union releases from a salary perspective that's the only thing the fans have a, a window on and, and they know generally maybe transfer fees from from well publicized players but so much of the stuff that goes on is quasi educated guessing by fans that are sort of Absolutely. trying to figure out do you wish that that information was more publicly known so that you didn't basically have to be like, trust me, <laughs> this is this is what we had to do. We didn't want to do this, but we had to do this. Do you wish that was more league-wide transparent for, for fans to analyze, or do you think maybe that would be a bad thing? It's a real difficult one for me to answer because, um, you know, if there was more transparency, um, is that a good thing, bad thing? I'm not quite sure. I'm not quite sure what, what the answer is there. Um, for me, I think there were – I wish there was more transparency – um, in terms of of the ideas behind some things, because um, I, I, to me, I'm a very open person, and and I'm a very um, I'm, I'm the type of person that if I believe in something, I'm going to tell you why I'm doing it and, and the reasons behind it. 
you may not necessarily agree, but for me, if there's a reason or if there's a rhyme, there's a reason and, and it may be right. It may be wrong. You may agree, you may disagree, but that's sports. Um, and listen, everybody's entitled to the opinion. And, and I will say that sports is the only thing where everybody is entitled to their own opinion. You know, sport, sports and, and, um, and politics, right? Uh, (laughs) Everybody's entitled to their own opinion, everything else, you know, I often use the, the, the analogy of, you know, I wouldn't go into a lawyer's office and go, you are doing this wrong. Why have you done it this way? Your company is, you know, so I often use that and, and, you know, for, for us in the sports world, it's very difficult to see on social media and things like that on a daily basis of like, you know, you're doing this wrong. Why on earth are you doing this? This guy's trash, blah, 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 blah. And whether some of it's true, whether some of it's false. And, and again, everybody's entitled to their opinion. Um, you know, it, it's a, it's a very difficult thing. You have to be very thick skinned. So to go back to the transparency part of it, I'm not quite sure what the answer is. Um, yeah. I think, I think for us, we just, it's a part of the business and we have to deal with it. Uh, and, and you front it up, you, you know, you, like I said, you make decisions based on a, on an educated, an educated guess. And that's what sports is. It's all limiting risks and making educated guesses. It was clearly a self-interested question. I think that not, if you look at the fan base as a whole, the number of people who need to understand how much game is on hand is small. It's like podcasters plus plus or minus 200 people. So, so uh, granted, I think that transparency benefits some groups more than others, and maybe it's not so important. Absolutely. Overall, anyway, I, I wanted to get you know, into some questions. Know, Go ahead. To, to touch on the, the GAM and, and who, who needs to know what, I actually quite like that, that perhaps nobody knows that because the rumors come out, and, and it's interesting to actually, sometimes when I'm on Twitter or social media, to hear what fans are thinking, like, oh, well, if we have this much, maybe we move this person. And It's actually interesting for me to see that from a fan's perspective. Um, you know, I actually quite enjoy reading those types of things because first of all, it's fan engagement and it mm-hmm. shows a real care for the, for the team and the, and the brand. Uh, but second of all, look, who knows? Maybe we haven't thought of it. <laughs> right. It's idea generation. It's like crowdsourcing. It's, exactly. Exactly. So to, to go back on that, uh, you know, for, for me, I actually quite enjoy the piece of perhaps you don't know the ins and outs, but you're, you're, you're throwing stuff out there and it, it's just interesting to hear from a from a fan's perspective because we, we obviously see the ins and outs every day of each individual player um and and other stuff that's going on around the league and other teams but perhaps some people who aren't privy to that information can actually help <laughs> in a way because they yeah. they don't think yeah, in be- a biased way i bet that it's a lot i bet that tr- lack of transparency is a lot easier uh, on the team side when you're at the top of the league. I think then then no one's really asking Absolutely. questions. Like, I don't know how these guys do it, but they're great. I don't know. How they're, they're doing some magic. Anyway, yeah. I, I wanted to swing yeah. sort of to where we're at, where we're at now, maybe versus where we were six months ago or 12 months, 12 months ago. Uh, yeah. As player evaluation or scouting, obviously it's not been that long, but has it changed since Wayne's gotten here? The team has clearly shifted uh, some mentalities from the beginning of the year, both in sort of style of play, but also maybe in you know who they're looking at. Did that greatly impact the scouting this past window? Knowing absolutely. that was coming on board? Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, the, the man-to-man, full press, high-intensity um, way of playing is, is, is very tough to sustain. Um, and, and so Wayne's brought in his own ideas. Um, and, and look, I'm not saying that 
it's not successful. <laughs> yeah. But it, it certainly impacted our scouting because if, you know, previously we were looking for man-to-man players with aggression, high intensity, uh, but now we're looking for more uh, intelligent players that can play within a, a certain system. And, and, you know, I'd almost put this back on you in, in terms of, you know, you've probably seen some changes tactically mm-hmm. within the team already um, and what some of the players are being asked to do. Uh, for me, it's it's been a real positive. Now the results haven't come with that. Um, but I, I really think that from a a mental standpoint, the team has been in a pretty poor place um, from a mental standpoint. And, and I don't think there's any secret in that. Uh, no. You know, I think a lot of this game is is mental toughness. It's mental strength. It's it's confidence. Um, and and to be honest with you, as a group, we have really struggled with confidence and and mental toughness. One of the biggest things that that Wayne and and Peter have brought into the to the group is mental toughness and, and a different way of thinking. So. You know they haven't been afraid to to play players that haven't necessarily got so many minutes, um, and and they haven't been afraid to play young players. So um, a real different mentality. Nobody's position is safe. Um, so you know, in terms of a to go back to the recruitment, though, um, it's been a real breath of fresh air in, in terms of um, this is the type of profile that I would like in my team, um, and it makes my job a lot easier when those things are refined. Now, I have my own ideas. Lucy has her own ideas. Stuart has his own ideas. Dave has his own ideas. And so on, you know, Wayne, Peter, and and so on throughout the coaching staff, Chad, you know, Freddie, uh, Nico. So we all have our own ideas. We we bounce them off each other. um, And ultimately, we come to a to a decision in the end of of this is what we think. And this is the way we want to move forward. with the recruitment this year, you know, in terms of when Wayne came in, Ravel was a no-brainer, having having played under Wayne in, in England and had a very, very good season. Um, and I think he's just getting used to the heat now. He, that was uh, that was one thing he said when he got here. He was like, oh, you know, even though he's from Jamaican descent, you know, it's he was, this is hot. This that is explains very, very hot. that explains why he was basically sitting in front of the center backs <laughs> and playing sort of sideways passes for the first seventy minutes of the. I, I figure, <laughs> and then now we've seen it. Obviously, goal aside, each each subsequent game he gets a little bit more impactful and a little bit more yes. influential in the game. And before it was kind of like, I mean, we've got to trust that this, that we know this why why this is happening, right? Like this is this is not necessarily what we were expecting, but for sure, as as the year has gone on, and maybe I, like as you said, as the as the dew point lowers and the and the needle drops on the on the temperature, is going to be more and more impactful. Yeah, and I think Christian the other too. thing that yeah, absolutely. Uh, I think the other thing that that fans have to bear in mind with Ravel is that he's been placed in many different positions. Um, just as we're waiting for Christine to come back in. Maybe taxi hasn't been fit. We've had a couple of different injuries. And so through no fault of, of his own, Ravel, he's, he's good at everything. So it's it's one of those players that he's going to plug a hole when we need one. <laughs> and, and sometimes that's to his, to his detriment and, and sometimes not. But he, you know, he's been a, a product of having to fill a hole throughout the team, you know, even as a false nine at times, which... You know, isn't his best position, but he can play there. Um, so I think, you know, as as we build towards January, as we build towards next year, and we get Ravel in a more advanced, comfortable position, in the position where he's more comfortable as a sort of 8, 10, you know, link-up player, I think that's when you're going to start to see the best of him. 
Um, you know, and, and again, we still we still want to bring in a couple of pieces. Um, I think it's much needed. Um, I think there's going to be some some more roster changes. In fact, I know there is in January. So, um, you know, players like Ravel, players like Taxi, players like Benteke, players like Rodriguez. Um, you know, even Miguel Berry, uh, Chris Durkin, they're all going to get better. And these are the players that we've brought in um, as a part of a plan, as a part of a, you know, the, these are, you know, in terms of a depth chart, these are where we want these players to be. Now, listen, there's going to be some tough decisions at the end of the year. Um, but I think, again, we're, we're in a privileged position to where we can make those decisions on on players. I'm pausing for a second. Do you mind if I go like 45 minutes instead of 30? I've got way more questions than I thought I did. Do you have a hard uh, yeah, stop? Absolutely. No, okay. no, no problem. No problem. Appreciate it. You mentioned too, sort of over the over the coaching changes, you maybe had a different idea of the type of player you were looking for. Understand too that the DC United overall, overall umbrella was going to be sort of consistent, but uh, do you, and without obviously without sort of saying names or without sort of getting into that, do you think there are players that might have been a better fit under Ernan that maybe maybe that's not the case with Wayne? And is it an idea of seeing if that player can adapt, or is it or is it something else? You said obviously a lot of decisions to make in the in the winter, but that's I mean I, I don't usually think that too many teams have this many rapid changes in uh, yes. in philosophy they have to deal with. So roster construction is a bit of a yes. casualty of that. Yeah, it, it makes it very difficult in, in that regard um, when you go through three three different managers. And again, one of them was obviously Chad Ashton, who's been with the club for a long time. But um, look, at, yeah, it's challenging. And, and But to answer your question on if there's players in the club that perhaps fit one system or the other, my answer to that is, uh, for me, there's none of these players are bad players. There isn't a bad professional player. There's just bad moments and bad scenarios and and bad environments for certain players. And certain players fit certain environments. Some certain players fit other environments. Um, and so that's the way I look at it. And, and the way I look at it is: is this the environment for this player? Um, are there some players in our team right now that perhaps weren't suited to Ernan's um, environment? Absolutely. Yep. Are there players in the squad now that aren't suited to to Wayne's? Um, environment absolutely and and Chad Ashton also all three work in a in a different way so that's always going to be the case to be honest with you John that that's always going to be the case where there's going to be certain players that don't fit the fit the environment and and some that do Um, and these are where we have to make the decisions on on certain players Um, and and tough ones (laughs) really tough ones and I think too, this is somewhat of a unique window, right? I think it's it's hugely important for the club. With after what could be a last place finish, we hope not, but it could be. Yeah. Um, it could also be the only full season with Wayne. He's got an option year, but who knows what the future holds? It would be unwise to, you know, assume anything really at this point. Yeah, um, with that clear urgency in place, and sort of the, I don't want to say dual directive of we got to go for it right now, but we also have to build a club that can persist past a potential coaching change. Uh, how are you approaching this winter window? Like that, that, that it seems like there's some conflicting goals and also, uh, I wouldn't say a rush, but certainly an urgency. And we have to, we have to <laughs> develop immediately and be competitive this upcoming season. If we're, you know, that's why Wayne's here. No, that's a very good question. Uh, I think that the immediate answer is we have to go for it next year. Um, 
we have to go from zero to 100. <laughs> right. You know what I mean? Um, I, I think some drastic changes need to be made um, in terms of mentality, in terms of consistency. Uh, and that's part of why we've made some of the decisions we've made as a club uh, in, in really spending some money on a Premier League caliber striker, um, spending some money on a, on a DP in, in Taxi Funtas um, and spending money in terms of, you know, Christian Paulson and, and um, sorry, Victor Paulson and, and other, you know, Rodriguez and, and other players. And again, going to do the same in January. So uh, to answer your question, I think it's a, it's a go for it, but I think it's also a balancing act in, look, we know Wayne's not going to be here forever. Um, you know, the caliber of, of person that he is, um, in terms of his, his coaching abilities and, and just in terms of his his stature as a as a as a person in football or soccer, he he, he won't be here forever. So we have to prepare for life beyond that. And I think it's all part of the short term, you know, mid term, long term um, um, view. And you know, I'd be lying if I said we didn't have an eye on each one of those. Right. Um, yeah. You, you, know, got, you and, got to, right? Yeah. And, and again, it's a balancing act. And, and part of that will be, you know, at times having to say to Wayne, look, this doesn't make sense for us long term. Um, you know, it may make a lot of sense for a short term, but but may not long term. And so, you know, that's that's part of our job as as a, as a front office, as a club to to take care of the club's interests, uh, but also look to be a playoff team next year, um, which we all want to be. Uh, there's there's no doubt that we're all very incredibly disappointed with this season um, because we we feel we're better than than that even in the in the current team um, so we want more we want we really do want more this I wasn't I wasn't I didn't know I was going to ask this until just now I want <laughs> you're you're on Twitter you've already, already copped to that I know that you are uh, <laughs> some of the other some of the other off some of the other folks in the front office either are doing so in a lurky way or, or, or not on it at all. Do you think I'm going to, I'm going to say that the quote that came out that Lucy gave, I don't know if it, I'm trying to remember if it was in a team interview or what it was You're talking about a playoff caliber roster and sort of how that was run with. Um, I think I want, I want to give, I want to give you, obviously it wasn't you speaking, but I, but I imagine you probably feel similarly cause you also helped construct this roster. Um, I'm giving I'm giving you like the floor to defend that statement basically. That <laughs> I think I think the fan I think the fan base was a little perturbed by that, I guess in the context of like the changes that had to be made and then also the results. Um sort of trying to find in in a league where so many teams make the playoffs and our current position and where we were even when that was said. Do you think that would you agree with that? You didn't say it. So I don't if you, if you don't, I don't want to pin you to it. But if you if you do agree with it, defend it if not if not you don't have to so so you're asking me do i agree with the statement that we we have a playoff caliber roster even at even when chad ashton took over now you've made a bunch of changes so i feel like if we started the season with this roster you know maybe that's a little maybe that's a little bit different but half when you built the roster at the beginning of the season were you feeling were you feeling confident or not or no were you feeling like yeah this is we're, we're at least an eighth place team on the Eastern Conference and maybe higher. I was feeling confident knowing what we had coming in. Mm-hmm. Uh, unfortunately, it, it didn't transpire the way that that we'd hoped. Um, and we had a little bit of, uh, what's the word? 
um, disappointments uh, along the way. I, I was I was quietly confident. Yes. Um, now, as things progressed and and things changed drastically in terms of management um, and just the overall mood, it it started to decline for me. Um, but again, that's why we we decided to make again some some huge changes and again to come back to Julian Greshel that's a that's a huge change for a player who was one of our best players last season to yep. to take that risk um in, in doing that so um yeah look uh, i think i think what we're finding right now is that teams are getting stronger and stronger every year in the in the uh in the league and that teams are finding out really clever ways to utilize certain aspects of the cap in terms of young DPs, DPs, youth fund players, um, to, to get the most out of it and, and none better than, than New York city last year, um, mm-hmm. with the way that they constructed a, a roster with DPs and, and young DPs and, and youth fund players that was incredibly strong. Um, so I, I, I think it's, um, I think it's a learning curve for us for sure. Um, especially through the midway through the season to go, are we, are we a playoff team um, looking around the league? And uh, look, we've had some injuries. Mm-hmm. It's, it's not an excuse. You know, even over the last few weeks, I would say, uh, I think we've been fairly unlucky, John, in, in terms of some of the um, decisions that have gone against us um, for lack of, mm-hmm. lack of better term, um, you know, with, with perhaps penalty kicks, decisions against us, things, things of that nature. I think we've been fairly unlucky. I think, you know, if had things have gone our way, maybe, maybe things were a little bit different. Now, having said that, um, we know that the season hasn't been good enough. So to, to incorporate all that, the, the fact of the matter is we are not good enough to be a, a playoff team this year. And so the work starts now to be a playoff team for next year. It, it, it's really that simple. Whether, yeah. whether we believe it or not, it that's the facts. Right. I've, I, you know, I was empathetic of, for her on that because I think that what else are you going to say in a lot of times? And I think, you know, it's speaking for the fans. I think that there's a, there's a negativity in the fan base because of sort of, you know, disappointment building over time. And I think because of that, sort of the, the, the benefit of the doubt has worn away when it maybe should, sometimes it should have some, but for some people they're new and maybe they don't really deserve the, the weight of 10 years of disappointment <laughs> on, on those people. So I feel like all you have to do is look at this fan base when this team wins. And I think that so, so much of that negativity that gets sort of pointed at players and front office members and stuff, you know, this, this fan base is just crying out for some, something to be proud of and something and, and to be in the hunt Absolutely. for the playoffs. That's all it is. I, I just, there's, you know, longtime fans are, are skewed towards the cynical and the, the, the disappointed just because of the way things have gone. And I think that's so much of the, so much of the, the temperature and the dialogue between sort of the team and the fans and the media, it's, it's all understandable. It's just, I, I just, I hope for everyone's sake for the turnaround so we can just be, you know, more positive. Absolutely. <laughs> and, and look, you know, the reality is I'm, I'm a football fan, soccer fan. I, I have a team. <laughs> Lucy is, is the same. Stuart's the same. Dave is the same. And, and Dave's club is DC United. He's yep. been here for a very long time. So um, look, we're, we're fans as well. And, and believe me when I tell you that when we see 
the fans excited, it gets it gives us a new lease of life. So, look, we're in this for the right reasons. And when I had the when I had the phone call and the opportunity to come to this club, which is the most historic club in the MLS, um, it's very tough to turn down. And not only that, the only way is up for us, John. I, I truly believe that. I yep. truly, truly believe that we're in a great catchment area in terms of young talent. Um, the city is a fantastic city. Um, the the fans need something to latch onto, and that's our job to to get it back to that. So we we truly believe in what we're doing. Um, it's not going to happen overnight, based on you know, based on where we're at right now. It's it's just not. It doesn't it doesn't happen overnight. But what I will say is that this league is a league where you can. You can be bottom of the table one year and you can be competing for the title the next year. So look at Austin FC. It's a, yep. it's a prime example, um, being a brand new club. And and also look at look at what Atlanta United were able to achieve over the, over the short period of time of their existence. Look at Nashville's achievements over a short period of time. It, things can change very, very quickly and drastically now. Do we want to become the standard of of the Seattle's and and the the Portland Timbers and and these the lights of you know the LA Galaxies where they're consistently churning out playoff playoff spots and and, and competing for things? Absolutely, I think that's that's the standard, right? Um, yep. And you had a taste, but, and fans have had a taste of it, right? So it's not like absolutely. It's like it's not like we've never been them. It's we used to be them, and then the, the ground shifted under our feet, and we became you know not yeah. that anymore. So that's that's and, the and that's. Right? And, and that's and it's a reasonable um, question to ask: is why were we there at that point, and now why why are we here? Uh, and it's a reasonable question to ask. I think sports comes in waves, as everybody knows. And I think, look, we were on a we were on a downward curve, and hopefully, we can start to make a make a push and, and come on the upwards curve and and make some some better decisions to to stay on that. Um, you you mentioned in the catchment area. I think that the, the the identity of being a team that finds these young players, develops them, plays themselves them, I think is a major part of what both the fans want and, and where the team has sort of with the pathway to pro put themselves, right? There's so many clubs in, in the league where that's been their modus operandi and it's successful for them. There was a lot of disagreement amongst the fans about this Moses Nyman transfer, about whether it should be seen as a triumph of development at the club or as a kind of maybe a failure. He went from, international attention two years ago obviously young players get attention and does they don't always they don't always fulfill what was anticipated yep. um but going from that to injuries and not making the 18 from coaches decisions and then resulting in the in the recent transfer to the uh, belgian second division club i know this isn't exactly your side of the shop but when you see a young player like moses see his development stop for reasons both in under his control not under his control injury stuff that's completely out of, out of anyone's control What's your reaction to that? What, what what do you feel when you see both what happened with Moses at the club and then where he ends up? Yeah, so first of all, let me start with it. he's an incredible talent. <laughs> yep. I think he was very unfortunate with, with some of the injuries he got at certain times where he was about to get his opportunity. Um, I think he's a product of, of being in a team that was struggling um, and, and is struggling. And so it's very hard to lean on the young players in those instances because often... Um, environments and, and and managers, coaches go back to stability and, and experience. Um, and his two red cards, the in, in his opportunity, unfortunately, probably yes. set him back even more, right? 
Yes, and and both at, at New York Red Bull, right? Over the last over mm-hmm. the last two years. So, uh, no, listen, he's a great kid. Uh, I think it's um, it's a case of us looking at what's best for him, but also at the same time, what's best for the club. And I think in in both instances, this was the right move for because he needed a change of environment. It was becoming stale for him. He wasn't able to to break into the team, and. Now he's has the ability to go and play, play games in a European environment, and, and to be honest with you, I only think that that's going to help him tremendously. Um, so look, I think it's a, I think it's the right move in, in both instances to 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 do that. Um, but he's an incredible talent, and, and there's no doubt we'll be uh, keeping an eye on his his progress because obviously we invested a lot in him as a club. Um, he's a tremendous, tremendous person and a tremendous athlete. Um, so, yeah, I, I just think he, he needed a new environment. And I think, again, from a from an outside perspective, it doesn't necessarily look great when uh, a player of his caliber was getting international um, recognition to then be sold for for what people um, believe to be a small fee. Um especially when you're selling a, a Kevin Paredes for, for much, much higher. Um, but again, I, I think there's so many good young talents coming through in this area. I mean, you, you've seen two, we've signed two in the last few days. Um, it, it's, it's just a conveyor belt of fantastic young talents. So we really have to manage that also in, in terms of roster spots. <laughs> right. It, it, it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a real challenge. I think you make a good point too about the difference between Kevin Paredes and Moses Nyman and a Griffin Yao, right? Like from a fan's perspective, obviously Kevin had the run that he had, which was, uh, you know, multiple times more uh, prolific and, and sort of the outcomes were different, but mm-hmm. in, in, in a fan's mind, they're all sort of the same group. Like, right. They're, they're, they're yes, the young guns they're the prospects. The right. Get, the right. And then band. they get sold for 100, 300,000 and then 7 million or whatever, whatever Kevin was. So it's, uh, the inter- the international component of I think that's what people look that people look at the the differentials, and yeah. that's not necessarily seeing the the full picture. It's a just sort of that's that's fan logic I think more than yeah uh, of course. And and the reality is uh, a player is worth what a team's willing to pay. Right. Yep. Absolutely. <laughs> that that's that's really the the bottom line of that one. A uh, couple questions more for you. The uh, obviously the transfer window is the busiest time or is a busy time both. You're not at that point. You're probably not identifying players as much as you are as trying to recruit and trying to get get players signed over the line. But you're probably also still scouting. Uh, what does your day to day look like when, like now, like in between windows? Are you, and how different is it from when the when the windows actually open and you guys are able to to bring in new players? Yeah. So right now, it's it's a lot of watching players, following up leads. Um, obviously, I have a huge database of players that I've built up over the years of. Um, you know, just different situations, um, even players that I'm like, okay, well, his contract ends in 2023. Three years ago, I, you know, put him on the list so that I knew in 2023 his contract's ending and he may be available um, and just to follow the progress. So just a lot of following up like that. But my day to day right now is watching the team, watching the training and then comparing what we have in terms of availability of players to bring in to see what makes the most sense financially uh, in terms of what makes sense 
uh, with what the team needs technically, tactically, physically. Um, so it's a, again, it's it's all encompassing. To be honest with you, I, I'm going to be on the road um, from you know after this Labor Day weekend all the way through until um, January. Uh, you know, I won't spend too much time in DC. So um, it'll be a lot of uh, out on the road, Europe, South America. Um, Which know. airlines do you have status on, Sean? <laughs> Delta. Delta? I'm, Delta? I'm Delta. You a Delta yeah, Sky yeah, Miles person? I'm a Delta guy. Uh, yeah, that, I'm not getting paid to say that either. So, <laughs> Well, they've got the lounge in DCA, and that's probably <laughs> one reason why, right? Yeah, yeah. And, I, and to be honest, I live right by DCA, so... You know, it's a lot of connecting flights, but it's it's very easy for me. So, sure. um, no, it's it, I'm, a, I'm a Delta snob, if I'm honest. <laughs> I've, 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 I'm, I won't get down to I'm, I'm a business traveler, too. So I, I, I right. know a lot of people that feel that way. Um, but I Atlanta say, was the hub, by the way. Yeah, well, Atlanta. that too. So, so when I was in, in Atlanta, it made the most sense because I could fly anywhere in the world from Atlanta direct. And it was it was great. Yeah, you got to be platinum medallion by this point, considering both jobs were, you got to be up there. Uh, technology has inevitably made some part of your job easier. You're still traveling a lot, but I feel like, you know, you're you're using technology that a way a head scout 10 years ago or 15 years ago would have probably killed you for the ability to do so. But yeah. I would speculate that that also makes it easier for some clubs to justify lower headcount in that department. What's your take on that sort of like the, the dual, the dual, edge sort of, of technology in the scouting arena? Oh, that's a great question. Um, I, I'm a little bit old school. Uh, I have to see players live. I have to, I have to get out and see them. Um, I want to, I want to look at them in the whites of their eyes. Um, I want to see what they're about, you know, on a, on a cold rainy Wednesday. Um, and I want to see what they're about when they're at home in the sunshine in front of a packed out crowd. So, um, look for me, I, I think, scouting within the MLS is still in its infancy. Um, when I, when I look across the board at, at some of the scouting departments within the MLS, um, it's, it's minimal. Um, some have heavily invested, some have not. Um, and I think there's an argument for both, to be honest with you. Uh, for me, I think information is key when it comes to this, this business. Um, and so, you know, outsourcing is great. Um, for me, I, I think, having people inside the club, watching day-to-day -day training, speaking with the coach, speaking with the players, um, goes a long way in terms of knowing what you need from a, um, from a personality standpoint. When I, I think I've mentioned this on a, on a previous, um, interview is that I traveled with the team when I first got to, uh, to DC, um, for six months, because I wanted to know the, the current roster ins and outs personality wise, how they dealt with things on the road, um, I just wanted to get to know each and every player in, in all environments um, to understand what it took to be a DC, DC United player. Um, and that, that's helped tremendously in terms of, uh, you know, a Fontes recruitment and, and players, you know, that we've brought in over the last um, six months. So, so yeah, to, yeah, to, to, to go back to your question of, look, it's very easy to get on the computer, use data and, and watch players online it's very very easy um and, and a lot of my job is that um but there's nothing better than than going to see players live and 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 seeing the whites of their eyes and seeing them in person because it, it makes a huge difference so if you had your druthers you'd have i assume some some help in that you'd have other people with silver medallions to to sort of spread out the spread out the eyeballs a little bit 
yes and no. Like I, I'm a very like, oh, I want to see him myself. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, the only person I trust is myself. Um, but at the same time, of course, we all want help in our, in our roles, right? Um, yep. And certainly in, in this type of role, just in terms of identifying profile players for the club, um, I think it would go a long way. Uh, to have to have some some identification um, tools to to help help along that process. What do you think? So it's sort of it's sort of like a money ball approach in some way. That the, the data driven in the soccer space is somewhat new, but just because the technology has made it able to be so. Um, it, and you and you alluded to the fact that you want to go and see the player with your own eyes. Uh, when you're not able to have sort of the inside view, like you are when you, when you were following the team for six months on the road, um, what gets missed when you only have that access to that data? And, and it may be, and then maybe when you're just able to sit in the stands and, and watch it, what's the, what's, what does data not really include for you when you're looking at a player? Is it sort of the obviously intangibles, like what's the most important thing that you're not getting from the data about a player? For me, it's, it's, um, it's seeing their reactions to certain instances within a game. Um, it's personality. It's, it's game management. Um, it's like you said, the intangibles game management is not included in, in data at all. Right. I mean, there's, there's no way to, to filter that. Um, athleticism is another one. Okay. You can, you can somewhat do that with, with physical data, uh, but in terms of really understanding a player's athletic, physical ability, for me, you really have to see them live. And, and data can be misleading at times, um, especially when you look at, you know, a, a, a striker for Manchester City in, in Haaland is going to get nine chances a game. A striker for DC United, Ola Kamara, may get two. Now, you know, if Haaland's scoring 50 goals a season... Ola's scoring 18, I think, is it 18 last year? 18 last year? Yeah, and if not for one more assist, he would have had a golden boot. Exactly. So when you look at it from that point of view, they're two very different players, but both very high up on in terms of in terms of data, but in a different way because um, Ola's XG last year was, was tremendously high. He was finishing most of his chances, if not all of them. Mm-hmm. Um, Haaland's finishing his chances, but he's getting twice as many. So, you know, it's, um, that's, that's the one thing with data that, that for me is I always will go back to, okay, you need subjective and and objective and you need to use them both. Um, One's not better than the other. (laughs) They complement each other. Ola is a great player to spotlight with that. I think the data does him some favors and the data also, you know, doesn't at other points. I'm trying to find it really quick. As we're talking, I'm not able to find it, but he's crawled up the DC United scoring charts pretty high in his time here. And I would say yes. that most fans would not have assumed that go, you know, golden boot almost aside. It's, it's a very, it's a, you know, he's a, he's a player that will be more appreciated. I think once he's no longer here than, than while he is here. And I think that the club and you probably would agree with this if, if we were just having a beer too, like you guys have a interesting regardless of what the player wants. So assuming the player actually wants to continue, he, I believe he's at a contract this year. What an interesting conundrum of a player who has some years is very efficient on an XG perspective and, and, and can convert this year. In fact, 
he scored, you know, more goals than you would have assumed for a player who has not been able to, wasn't uh, an every game starter at some points this season. Um, coming in behind a Christian Benteke, like, is that a, is that a, is that a player this team has the, uh, I'm not asking you by the way, but I'm saying like, is this, a, yeah. <laughs> that's a, is that a, is that a luxury this team can afford to having a sort of a, a super sub assassin that has a, that converts more chances on a team that doesn't necessarily create too many chances. Tough decision for you guys to make. And I hope, and I'm, I, but overall to say that Ola has performed much better than fans assume. And, and I think that they'll see that over time as, uh, you know, other strikers try to fill that. Agree. Yep. I was thinking agree. Christian is a good example too. Like as uh, people were trying to figure out how many goals he's going to score in MLS and they were looking, I know that I'm saying they, me, I was looking at yeah. sort of his output on a premier league basis. And I was like, he'd have to do the league obviously is substantially different and everything is different. So it's hard to make cross comparisons, but like he'll have to do really well to beat Ola Kamara's <laughs> previous season. Like he's like, he's not like Ola did well enough that it's uh, Christian's going to have to have a very good season to have the same sort of output that, that Ola was able to have last year. So that's wild. I mean, and I would something... say that for a, lo- a lot of players around the league, right? Sure. I mean, you look at uh, Joseph Martinez, for instance. Uh, you know, you look at um, there's many. There's, yep. there's so many. Uh, you know, even even. Um, sorry, I'm blanking on his name, but the the guy at Austin who came over from Russia. Um, I am also oh, blanking on that name. <laughs> yeah, uh, having a tremendous year, but was nowhere near as productive in in the foreign leagues, but. You can also look at Higuain, who was incredibly productive in the foreign leagues and in his first year or two was really, really poor, in, in my opinion. Um, I don't know. That one, That one, I feel like you could have seen. I, I, I feel like looking at work rate and looking at the, the temperatures in Miami, <laughs> I feel like that one sort of sort of was well advertised. It's changed a little one bit. Of the best goal scorers. Sure, in, in... for sure. It's just a matter of all the other elements that you have to be able to get uh, yourself in the position to score. Uh, I would 100% agree with you. Speaking of, that actually leads up well to my my last question. Uh, sort of looking at Iguain and sort of maybe how he performed at the Chelsea loan uh, before he was returned to his to his club. Do you in the front office have a have red have certain red flags that if you see either in a medical or in interviews with former teammates or the coach that will put you off of a player regardless of how they're performing on the field? Is there like a thing? Like if I see this or if I hear this, I'm, I'm my report is going to say we should not sign this guy. Is there something uh, like no. that for you? Motivation for sure. Like in interviews we have with players, uh, you can tell straight away their motivation. Um, and, and, you know, to be completely candid, we had an interview with a player um, that we wanted to sign. He ticked all the boxes for us. We got on a, a Zoom call and immediately after the Zoom call, we connected and went, nope, 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 <laughs> nope. Wow. Uh, so, you know, it, it, it really is again looking in the whites of the players' eyes and going, "How motivated is this guy, and and, and is he good for this team environment?" Um, Christian Benteke is a is a anomaly. It, it's a no brainer. Um, he's still hungry, um, and coming from a a career that he's had already, he's still hungry to score goals, um, and he interacts with the rest of the group just as anybody else. Um, which to me is a huge, it's underestimated um, for me because I think people just assume that, oh, you know, he's he's a big time Premier League player, he can do what he wants. No, 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 no. This is, 
This yeah, look at Wayne. Look yeah, at look at the way Wayne integrated himself with the team when he was a player. Absolutely. That was the thing that always impressed me most about him. I was like, when they signed him, I was like, well, he's at a certain stage in his career. I don't know how he's going to perform in the field, but I'm also curious how it's going to how the locker room dynamics are going to work when you're playing with freaking Wayne Rooney and you're yeah. a college draftee that just got out of Akron or wherever, and now you're here. And it just seemed every story that came out, like you, everything you heard about him was like, this is a, this is a man of the people, and it's so bizarre that a guy who has lived his life from the early age that he's lived it so like so valued the idea of like all these guys are my teammates we're all the same doesn't really matter what we're making and i, I that Absolutely. that to me i took that like that was like all right i love wayne rooney for that i don't care what he does yeah. in the field i like no. that, that he's a man of character in that way and, and we are very similar in that and, and that's a big part of my recruitment is again when i'm talking to a player and you know when i go away watch them and then meet them after the game I want to know, do, do they feel bigger than this project? Are they on board with this project? Um, you know, they're saying the same about Gareth Bale over in LAFC and the way that he's adapted and, and come into that locker room and um, specifically in the way that he only wants to talk Spanish to the Spanish speakers um, and, and things like that. So, That's cool. Yeah, it's um, look, I, again, I think the, the dynamic of MLS is changing. I think it's really well respected based on players like your David Beckhams, your Wayne Marie's, that have come to come to the league and, and paid it a lot of respect and, and not come in bigger than the league. They've come in, you know, done the, it was a uh, coin flip after your Steven Gerrard's and your, your peer yeah, lows. Like it was, it, it's, it can go one or the other way. Right. Of course. Sean, I really want to, I really appreciate you taking the time. I have two quick questions from Patreons. If you're listening to this, this week, the first week of September, that means you're already a subscriber to our Patreon, patreon.com slash Refugees. If you're listening to this at some other time, a week after that, uh, consider joining us and then you can get these you can get these a lot closer when they come out. Uh, quick questions from Frank Itzo. Uh, his, he says, I'm interested in how much scouting is influenced, influenced by the larger strategic needs. For example, players of a certain age from certain regions of the world that have played well in certain known leagues versus maybe other leagues, uh, uh, smaller leagues in Europe or, or elsewhere. Obviously, we need depth and strength in certain positions, but with the entire soccer playing world as a scouting opportunity, how do you narrow your scope uh, to, to really, pri- particularly as a one-man band, how do you prioritize uh, across all those all those filters? Yeah, we talk about international spots. We talk about um, cap hits. We talk about budgets. We talk about, look, we're, we're a club that is consistently churning out young talent. So um, for us, it, it doesn't make sense to go out and get young, buy young talent um, because we're buying over the top of what we already have in our club. Um, that goes against everything that we're doing. <laughs> right. So, so for me, it's it's not about going, uh, and it's very different from from perhaps how I operated in Atlanta and going out and buying the, the best young young players in in South America. Um, it doesn't really make a whole lot of sense for us now. Again, may, could that change potentially um, based on perhaps uh, uh, the pipeline changing for us? But but as of right now, because we've got a Christian Fletcher, a Matai, a Jackson Hopkins, a Kudi Pietro, a Jacob Green coming through the pipeline, it doesn't make sense for us to go above them and and um, and stop their growth. Um, you know, it's just the the fact. So to answer more on the question is yeah we. You know, this past window, we were looking for more experience because we felt we were too young, uh, because we felt we were playing. Uh, we had a really young team. So we went out, you know, got Paulson, got some real European experience, 
um, you know, brought a Chris Durkin back who'd been out and got some some experience, um, and, and try to strengthen the squad in in terms of experience and and, and attitude, if you will. Uh, so that certainly hampers it. And then the, the only thing, other thing I would say in terms of how we define and refine where we want to go is is profiles. Um, you know, if we're looking for real high energy. Um, athleticism, you know, it lends itself to your Colombia's, Ecuador's, uh, those types of areas where players necessarily aren't, aren't uh, hugely expensive, but you can get real value for money. Um, but if you're looking for that real game changer and you're looking for experience, then perhaps it's it's Europe and, and we're looking in a certain, um, you know, I mean, I'm sure you all saw the rumours with, with Sonny Kittel from, from Germany. Um, you know, that was one of, again, trying to bring in experience and a consistency in terms of uh, level of playing and, and churning out goals and assists. So that's how we refine, define, you know, target. Um, and a lot of it is based on on those factors. Uh, James Lambert had a similar question about player profiles, but the question that he asked that did not get answered was, uh, how much of the pre-Rooney work has lost its value from the player profiles perspective. Like, is there, is, have you, is there a folders that you've clicked and dragged in your hard drive to like for the future? And like this, this is this, maybe we want to, maybe want to look at this player again when, when we've, when Wayne has moved on and we're maybe adapting once again, or do you feel like the spreadsheets that were in place are still pretty much uh, the spreadsheets that are being utilized now? I keep a very consistent spreadsheet in uh, I have players for all different types of scenarios. Um, and so what I would say is it, it is a bit of a drag and drop um, and it's a little bit of a filtering system in, in the way that I keep my database. It's based on a certain profile, uh, whether it's a, for instance, a ball playing center back, a, a defensive center back, if you will, mm-hmm. or, you know, um, a progressive center back. So th- that's just one instance of, of one position that can have three different types. Um, and, and so when now, when we all sit down together and we decide, okay, what do we want as a club? Um, it's okay. Well then let's go into this section of, of the ball playing center backs right. that I've seen and looked at. Uh, <laughs> go to this tab. I, I've yes. created tabs for everything you could possibly need. That's my job. Absolutely. Sure. Absolutely. It's all, um, it, it's, it's craziness, but it's, um, it's organized chaos. Let's call it that. Sean, I appreciate all the time you've taken, and I think you guys have done a very good job this window. You have a big job, I think, ahead of you uh, this this upcoming window and this come, upcoming season. Uh, the goalkeeper area alone is ex- yes. <laughs> exceed, exceedingly interesting and complicated. You've got a whole bunch of things up in the air there, and uh, I think defense is another area you guys are probably going to look at you pretty pretty in depth. But yep. this is a uh, you guys have done you guys have done a good job and I look I look forward to seeing what you guys can do with another full window and 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 give us give the fan base some some optimism so they can stop yelling at you guys at season ticket holder Yeah, events. absolutely. <laughs> Believe me, I don't I don't want to I don't want to keep seeing the negativity, but um no, I appreciate you you taking the time. Um I appreciate the invite again and um look it's uh it's not been a great season for us, but um look we're we're, we're pushing we're pushing and pushing and pushing to to be better for next year and while it's been a disappointment, it's, it's exciting times um, come January because look, everything's a learning curve, right? So we'll um, we'll learn from some of our mistakes, we'll learn from some of our successes, and we'll um, we'll give it a real good go over January and and do our diligence and hopefully um, build a build a roster that the, the fans can be proud of again and and come and see and, and be really excited. I'd love to see Audi Field at, at twenty thousand again. Yes, me too. Uh, the play the playoff <laughs> game against Columbus stands out as a memory that I that I that I 
definitely hold dear. Uh, yeah. And thanks to all of you guys for listening. You'll catch us on our live show Monday nights at 8.30 on twitch.tv slash RFK Refugees. And thank you to our Patreon subscribers who have made me uh, continue to do these interview shows during uh, during small pockets of available time during the middle of the day. So, Sean Howe, thank you so much for joining us and for taking the time. And for everyone else, we'll see you next Monday. Vamos. Thank you.